Welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. This podcast is dedicated to helping attorneys earn more money, get better clients, and spend more time with family. I'm your host, Alej Yajnik, founder of Law Firm Success Group. Smart business guidance for small law firms begins in three, two, one. And it's my pleasure to welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage, Andy Verriere with Hartog Bear Zabronsky Verriere. Andy, welcome to Lawyer Business Advantage. Thank you, Ale. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you having me on. I am so glad you're here. And congratulations on becoming a named partner at your firm. Thank you. Thank you. It's been uh, an interesting first couple of years as a partner uh, through uh, COVID. COVID coming down on us right after my partnership started. But, uh, you know, I've grown a lot both as a lawyer and a, a manager. It's been a great experience. Awesome. How have those, you know, first couple of years gone as, I'm sorry, a shareholder goes? You know, they've, they've gone well. Uh, everything comes with its challenges. And I think we faced a lot of the same challenges that uh, law firms across the state did as COVID came in. It created some new forced benefits. It forced us to sort of reckon with remote work, which I think law firms had been not as accepting as other industries, and it helped us uh, grow and, and gave us the ability to attract some new candidates that we wouldn't have otherwise been exposed to. And it, it also changed the way that we practiced a lot with uh, courts going to remote practice and, and you know, me working out of the house with kids screaming and, and dogs running around and all the uh, concomitant challenges of, of working from home while trying to be a professional. Yeah, it's been an absolutely crazy couple of years. Then compounding that, uh, all of your new roles and responsibilities as a shareholder with the firm and not just a shareholder, but a named shareholder at the firm. Um, that is really awesome. So tell us a little bit about what Hartog, Bear, Zabronsky, and Barrier does. Yeah, we uh, do trust and estates work across the spectrum. So half of our uh, office, uh, which I'm a part of, does litigation. Uh, and that can take the shape of a will contest, a trust contest, pursuing a fiduciary who hasn't administered a trust properly, um, or a lot of claims for financial elder abuse. And really, that involves any sort of interference with um, someone that's over 65's property. And then our other half does transactional work, and that's estate planning uh, and estate administration. Uh, and one of my colleagues, John, does uh, a good amount of expert witness work in the in the same field. Very cool. And I know your reputation in the area, the reputation of your firm is outstanding, absolutely top notch. So really glad you're spending a few minutes with us here today on a on a Friday afternoon. Um, one of the things that I think our, our audience of attorney entrepreneurs would love to hear about, not all of them own their own law firm, and many of them are on that path to partnership. And there's a lot of things they should be doing. A lot of them are probably wondering if they are doing the right things. Um, but I want to step back from that and just ask about your experience so far. So becoming a shareholder, how has that been relative to your expectations? You know, it's come with a lot of different challenges that you never really envision when you go to law school. Uh, you know, I, I think it, it's common of most folks that go to law school that they have a, a intellectual curiosity for the law, but perhaps not the business side of it. And that uh, becomes a rude awakening when you're thrust into the, the management role um, and you get to split your time managing your cases and, and helping your clients and then dealing with running a business on the back end. Uh, and I've been fortunate that uh, during my time, uh, we've had a, a great managing partner at the beginning, and we transitioned to an executive director who's a, a non-attorney that's actually got the, the background in business uh, to help us both on the 
external business side, the internal business side, and then the human resources part of it, which is uh, just a whole nother ball game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Welcome to the wild, wild west, huh? It's, <laughs> uh, it's pretty intense for sure. And so with congratulations, by the way, on hiring that executive director, I know a lot of law firms put that off. And I was actually talking with um, with a firm the other day, and that was exactly my advice to them is given everything they've got going on, they need to hire an executive director. And you all had the foresight to do that. So tell us a little bit about what things were like, you know, with the former managing shareholder, and then how the executive director was able to fill those shoes. Yeah, so um, our former managing shareholder was a great attorney in her own right, a great mediator, and uh, got thrust into the role of managing shareholder in part because she was clearly the best qualified for it and had the best mind for it and the best approach to the business side of it and and really keeping that in view. Uh, And she did a fantastic job, but what we realized um, was that it, it destroyed her ability to practice how she wanted to. It destroyed her ability to focus uh, on her clients in the way she wanted to uh, and to manage her mediation practice as she wanted to. Uh, And so rather than having it impact the service she provided, what she ultimately had to do was cut back on her lawyering and focus on the business side. And that's that's just not what we're here to do. We're here to be lawyers and to be advocates and to work for our clients and to help them get results. Um, and we realized that it was better for our practice and the, the service we provide to our clients, uh, as well as to our business bottom line, to have a professional who does the business side come in uh, and who can keep their eye on the ball and help us um, drive revenue uh, and attract good talent and retain good talent um, and develop where we need to develop while we can focus on the lawyer. And how has, you know, having that executive director and also having this new role, I guess it's not that new anymore. It's been a couple of years, but uh, how has that changed your mindset versus when you were, you know, kind of just an attorney? Just an attorney. You know, it's allowed me to uh, keep my eye on the big picture of business things and develop uh, some amount of business acumen. Uh, without being sucked into the weeds. Uh, And I think that's where a lot of folks get lost in uh, managing a law firm. Um, And I I did it briefly at a prior firm where it was my partner and myself, and we had to deal with both the business and the legal side of it. And and it can really detract from your ability to give the attention you need to to your clients, to develop new clients, um, to be out there meeting other attorneys and participating in the bar association and uh, doing the things that I would do on a day-to-day basis when I was just an attorney. Uh, and so now I I have that ability to grow my knowledge of how the business runs. And I'm really fortunate to have a number of other shareholders who are seasoned uh, law firm owners to learn from, uh, while also having uh, this professional who can guide us through the process, especially with the complexities that COVID has given us. You know, we've been forced to adapt. Uh, lawyers, I think, by nature are... Uh, conservative in their business uh, evolution. Uh, And she has really helped uh, guide us into new areas that have helped us grow as a firm. Fantastic. That is great to hear. I'm glad to hear that. Uh, That executive director is doing a terrific job for your firm. I want to shift gears just a little bit and go back to your aspirations to become a shareholder. I know that's something, I suspect that's something pretty much every lawyer wants to do right out of law school. It's like the brass ring that everyone wants to seize. But in your experience, and you've you've seen a lot of attorneys, is that something that every attorney should aspire to do? That's a great question. I 
I don't think so. You know, I think there are folks who um, want to, that have an entrepreneurial mindset when they go into law. They want to be a solo and they're really well equipped to running a small firm. There are folks who are great lawyers and great business developers and uh, they make good rainmakers, but aren't necessarily great managers. Uh, and then there are others who are just fantastic lawyers who don't want to deal with developing a book of business and don't want to deal with uh, the ins and outs of managing people and managing a business. Uh, and they make great lawyers, uh, but perhaps would be better equipped as, uh, you know, a field general than a, uh, than a chief. And tell me a little bit about this concept of a service partner. You know, there's the rainmaking partners, which everyone thinks about as traditional ones, and there's managing partners. And then there's this concept of service partners. I don't know. I'd love to get your thoughts on on how those three types of partnerships work or or maybe don't work. Yeah. You know, I so I cut my teeth at a big firm in the city, and then I, I came out and worked at a smaller firm and bounced back to a big firm and came back. So I've, I've been in the world where there are rainmaker partners and service partners. Uh, and I think in big firms that uh, is necessary, right? You're going to have folks that bring the business in the door, and then you're going to have uh, really skilled junior to mid-level partners who have the experience to run a case, who know how to bring a client in from beginning to end, um, or not necessarily to bring a client in, but to handle the case from beginning to end. Uh, and they are integral to the success of the Rainmaker partner, because if the clients aren't getting service, the clients aren't coming back. Uh, so part of the importance of that collaboration is finding people who complement each other's uh, abilities. Um, and I think that model certainly works well for the Rainmaker partners at big firms. I can't speak to how the, the monetary side works for the uh, the service partners, but it's I've found uh, that it has been a very important structure on a large scale firm. I think it's much harder to implement in a small scale firm unless you have a really clearly defined um, compensation structure, uh, because there's always going to be tension between someone who says, well, I'm the one that brought the client in. And then the service partner said, yeah, well, they wouldn't stay here and they wouldn't have accomplished anything if it wasn't for the sweat that I put into this case. Uh, and I don't think there's a right or wrong to that. It just needs to have uh, a clear understanding of what folks' roles are and what their strengths and weaknesses are. Because just as the rainmaker is the originator, the originator of the client, the service partner is is the reason that the firm uh, gains the reputation for the success that it has. Um, and it can very well be that that service partner evolves into the rainmaker. And, and uh, that's sort of the natural evolution in a lot of cases. Yeah. And as you mentioned, for smaller firms, that, that works well at a large firm. But for smaller firms, that could be a little, little bit more challenging to incorporate you know, the service partner. And there's some folks that are listening who may be thinking to themselves, so am I an attorney entrepreneur who should be a partner or am I someone who should just, you know, focus on being an attorney? And I wanted to, the one question that's always jumped out to me is that they kind of make a delineation between, you know, that partners at small law firms should aspire to build a book of business, should aspire to become rainmakers. And the people that, you know, maybe don't want to, don't need to. But at the same time, uh, a lot of those skills could be learned, um, even if you don't feel comfortable being a rainmaker now, and you want to be one. You might be able to be one in five years or even less if you focus on it. And so, just shifting over to you uh, for a moment, what was it about becoming a shareholder that was really important to you? Yeah, there's, you know, I suppose there are a couple aspects to it. 
first and most obviously is compensation, right? When you're owning the business, you're taking home more. Um, but hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. But coming along with that also is the responsibility of it. You know, my day doesn't end when my legal work uh, terminates. It it ends when uh, I finish <laughs> I finish all the other things that come along with running the business, uh, which thankfully uh, are lessened by our executive director. But you know, we still have to uh, we still have to be involved. I think one thing that I've noticed is just the elevation to shareholder level uh, gives more confidence in clients. Nothing changed in me overnight from December 31st, 2019 to January 1st, 2020. Uh, but the fact of the internal recognition by my peers, I think, gives some confidence to uh, clients and prospective clients that uh, I have the experience and ability that they need uh, and, and they're able to repose that trust in me to uh, move. Uh, their matter forward. And I think there's also, you know, you talk about the aspiration to partner. I think that there's different folks view what their end goal is going to be and what's important to them differently. And so for some of us, that's to become a shareholder and uh, bring home as much as we can at the end of the day. For others, it's finding a way to balance being able to coach their kids' soccer team uh, and being able to be the best partner to their uh, to their spouse that they can be. Uh, or to be able to take care of a loved one that has, uh, you know, medical needs or or other needs, and so uh, finding a place that uh, affords you that balance between making the living that you need to do, practicing the craft that you like to do, and having that fulfilling uh, element outside of the office, I think has become more and more important lately, and I certainly see that more and more with uh, folks that we interview uh, and and sort of this new level of. Uh, folks that are becoming shareholders now. Yeah, it's okay, right? Not everyone needs to become a shareholder. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's okay to be uh, an attorney, a really good one, and to be comfortable in your role in your position in the firm. That being said, for those people that aspire to become a shareholder or a partner at a firm, um, you've done it. Uh, you've become a named shareholder, which is fantastic. What What is some advice that you would give to someone who is aspiring to do what you've done? Yeah, so you know, it, there's no clear path to uh, to ownership of a firm unless you're starting your own. That's an easy path. But if you're working towards partnership with others, I think that there are a few key things that I look for when I'm looking at folks coming up, and that I tried to um, sharpen on my own. One is professional acumen, and uh, I don't think there's there's much substitute for that. It's uh, working hard and developing your craft, uh, and that takes uh, you know, that just takes time. Uh, we've all got great ideas when we come out of law school. We all, we've all got ideas of what a good lawyer is, but until uh, you've been through enough cases and experienced enough clients and seen what works and what doesn't and taken the lumps that come along the way, I don't think folks have matured enough to be in a, a position where they can see all sides of the case and maybe uh, see the weaknesses and the strengths at the same time when they come in and help counsel someone all the way through. Uh, the second is developing your book. And that takes a lot of forms. I've had folks say, oh, you should go speak more. Oh, you should write more. Oh, you should go to networking groups, should be more involved in the bar association. And looking around my firm, I found that everyone has different things that they're most comfortable with. And what I've found gives folks the most success is focusing on what they're comfortable with, that they feel uh, best helps them shine. So there are attorneys I know in the county who have not written an article in their entire career. 
but they go to every bar association event. They shake everyone's hand. They remember everyone's name. They remember their kids' names. Um, and they develop genuine interpersonal relationships. And that has led to uh, huge growths in their business. There are other folks who will write uh, articles, it seems, every week. They'll participate as editors in uh, you know, professional guides. Um, there are others who like to go on speaking circuits and to each their own. Uh, but what you have to do is find something, commit to it, and, and develop a reputation in that. And then the third is just, I guess, the politics, uh, working well with the folks uh, in your office, um, making sure you understand what's important to them, uh, showing them that you have the skills and finding out what weaknesses they see in you, because that was something that I, for a long time, was blind to, uh, was recognizing uh, what my shortcomings were. And it took me really confronting uh, the folks that were my mentors along the way and saying, listen, you've worked with me a lot. You can say all the nice things you want about me, but I know that there have to be some holes there. Tell me what they are. And so we would sit down and they'd tell me the areas they thought I could improve on. And, and uh, I pushed them to give me some instances so that it could become more tangible to me. Uh, and then I worked to improve them. And I, you know, I still, if, as my wife will tell me every day, I still have lots of flaws, uh, but I worked <laughs> to improve them every day. Um, and, uh, you know, there was, when I was a, a baby lawyer uh, at our orientation as a first year, the managing partner gave an immensely cheesy line that has stuck with me, which is they call it the practice because you keep getting better every day. You're practicing while you're not, you know, you haven't mastered it and no one ever masters it. You're going to continue to get better at it. And um, I try to remove the cheese from the comment and, and keep the substance of it in mind uh, where each and every day uh, I try to learn something new and, and improve my practice. Well, well said, Andy. I love the three points that you touched on there, becoming a complete lawyer slash practicing your craft and honing your craft, business development, and then you know becoming a complete partner and, and, and member of your firm in terms of the team. Um, the other part of that, which shines clearly through everything you've talked about, is as, uh, as aspiring partners, they've got to do the work. I mean, you reached out. Uh, you tried to figure out what worked well for you for business development. You worked hard at becoming a great attorney. Uh, you sought out advice and not just, you know, the the complimentary stuff, but you sought out corrective in, feedback from your mentors. And that's not an easy conversation to have. And then you worked at getting better at all three things. And that drive is uh, perhaps the fourth thing that I would add to that. Congratulations on, on everything you've achieved, Andy. Um, what do you look forward to over the next 12 to 18 months uh, with the firm? You know, one thing that I look forward to is just the growth. We've uh, been fortunate to bring on some new lawyers and uh, paralegals and other staff. And what that afforded us is more work. And what comes along with more work is the need for more staff. Uh, so uh, we've got a great group of attorneys here. Uh, we're one of the larger uh, trust and estates only firms in the county, if not in the Bay. But we always need more folks here and we always need more good attorneys. Uh, and I always look forward to bringing a new person on and seeing what they bring to the team. There have also been some recent developments in trust and estates, um, some areas I've written on recently uh, that I've seen grow more. Uh, one is, not to get too deep into the weeds, bringing um, inter vivos petitions to approve trusts while, uh, while the person creating the trust is still alive. Uh, and it's been little used in the past, and I've uh, been writing on it and speaking on it, and it's uh, something that I've seen become a larger part of our practice and affords sort of a unique 
uh, ability to some of our clients that uh, isn't offered broadly because it isn't widely used at this point. Uh, but I, I expect to see more of that over the next uh, year to year and a half. And, and just coming up with new, new ways to provide, uh, provide the objectives to our clients that they're looking for. Uh, you know, everyone comes to us with unique issues. Sometimes uh, it's while they're still alive, but most of our clients uh, come to us after a family member has passed away uh, and they're in a challenging situation and they've got an objective. Uh, and we've got uh, a toolbox that, uh, because of the nature of probate court, uh, is sometimes flexible. And so using that flexibility to come up with creative solutions to their problems is what makes me excited every day when I come in in terms of how we can address a problem and how we can tackle it from a new angle. Love that, Andy. And if people want to connect with you to learn more, what's the best way for them to do that or to apply for a position? Absolutely. So our uh, website, it's HBZV. That's H like hand, B like boy, Z like zebra, V like Victor, law.com. Or you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Awesome. Andy, thank you so much. And everyone, Andy, when he mentioned business development, uh, he does speaking, articles, networking, and he's very involved in the Bar Association. He does all of that, and he manages a full load of cases, and he helps run his firm. And if you're wondering about how he has the time for all of that, there's the executive director that he has that's a huge help to him for that. If you're interested in uh, having something similar for you, but you don't you're not big enough for an executive director, consider a virtual assistant as a first step. And a great source for that is Get Staffed Up. They're founded by attorneys for attorneys. They provide law firms with virtual assistants as full-time contractors and those law firms for a fraction of what you can hire them on your own. Uh, If you're interested in getting to know more uh, from them, go visit getstaffedup.com forward slash lawyer business advantage, and you can get $500 off your setup if you move forward with them. Andy, thank you so much for being on Lawyer Business Advantage today. Thanks, Alec. And that's Andy Verrier, a shareholder with Hartog, Bear, Zabronski, and Verrier. And that's a wrap for this episode of the Lawyer Business Advantage podcast. One thing that would really help both us and other new potential listeners is for you to rate this show and leave a comment in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you tune in to listen. And I want to hear from you. So connect with me on LinkedIn and let me know what you think of this episode. And if you are a solo or an owner of a small law firm, and you're looking to earn more money, attract better clients, or reduce your stress, we would love to talk with you to see how we can help. Request your free law firm assessment by visiting lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. Again, that URL is lawfirmsuccessgroup.com. We look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. My name is Ale Yajnik. Until next time, remember, you can seize freedom. You can embrace happiness. You can build your perfect practice. <music>